Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, post-resignation team meeting, part two. Here we go. So the first thing is you tell them, right? Straight yeah. up, you're resigning. And then the work that you said you're going to get to is actually the, the transition file subjects, right? Exactly right. The topics that we talked about and how to resign. And there are five of them. So first you do a key project report. And basically the transition file you're going to prepare for your boss when you resign basically covers the next 90 days. What were you going to be doing? What are the status of things? So on. Okay. And we probably can't get anyone completely up to speed about what we're doing. It's just not possible. But we can tell them what we've been planning on doing for that 90-day period. So you're going to put down what, what the team has been working on. If there aren't projects, what are the key metrics that the team is measured against? How are they doing against those metrics? Some historical reporting, all in one place so the boss doesn't have to go get them. What are the factors leading to continuation of their the present performance level? What are the problems associated with us meeting those metrics in the next 90 days? And this thing doesn't have to be 20 pages long. Five pages might be enough. And in some cases, two to three might be fine. And look, at this point, we, you know, it, Mike and I have been doing this for a while. We ought not to be surprised, but we are still surprised that managers don't have the next 90 days of their calendar roughed out. If your CEO is thinking really, really should be much more like five years out and your VP is thinking six months out and your directs are thinking five days out, how can a manager not be thinking, you know, 30, 60, 90 days out? And I know some of you are saying, well, my VP doesn't even think one month out. Okay, yeah, oh, oh, oh well, <laughs> sorry. And you can be the professional in the room. <laughs> so that's one thing, a key project report, right? What's going on? Secondly, you, you've got to let people know that you have prepared and handed to your boss performance files, okay? You've created a performance file on each one of them and given it to your boss. Now look, if you've established a solid relationship with your team, they won't be surprised. They know that's how you manage, okay? Just tell them you did a brief report, no, no longer than one page, on strengths and weaknesses in their history of performance. It's not, I mean, it's, it's three or four paragraphs is all it is to help the interim successor or the new manager when he or she comes on board and your boss who's left holding the bag. Some of your people might actually be concerned about this. And generally, we see that in the weaker performers. Weaker performers, and particularly th those who are not responding to managers asking for improvement, are actually pleased about manager transitions because their failures or weaknesses will not be as well known to whomever replaced them, and they can run their scam again on a new manager. So those people are particularly concerned that you've prepared a performance document to tell the new guy basically they suck. <laughs> um, and that's your job. If somebody in your team isn't any good, the new guy should know that. He shouldn't have to wait 90 days to find out. Now, look, I've, I've taken over for a team with a boss who was an idiot, um, the outgoing guy. I was given his team because he was an idiot. And he prepared some stuff. But there was some, it wasn't venom, but there was some sharpness in his reports. And pretty quickly, I learned that, you know, we don't see the world the way the world is. We see the world the way we are. And this guy thought everybody was bad because he couldn't get good numbers out of him. Well, because he was a jerk. So I quickly ignored those. But if you're a professional and you take the time to write 
a fair and honest evaluation of people's strengths and weaknesses, what you would have liked to have known when you took over, only the most unethical, selfish, cynical replacement manager is, is going to disregard them. And if they choose to disregard it, that's fine. It doesn't eliminate the obligation that you have to help the organization know what has been going on and what your assessment is of your people, okay? So your directs are gonna to be told that you gave your boss a report on them. And then when they say, well, what's in the report? Hand them a copy. Oh, this okay. is what I told the boss. Wow, yeah, okay. Just tell them. Right? And look, maybe one of them will come to you and go, hey, I, I'm surprised you put that in there. So, well, I'm sorry, that's my evaluation. What this does is skew conversations away from where are you going and why are you leaving? And is it because the boss doesn't like you or there's a lot of politics here? Instead of putting you in a situation where you have to say nice things, even though, in fact, if you're leaving the company because you're not happy there, you don't want to be put in a situation where you have to you, if you can avoid being in situations where you have to politely demur from an answer, you should. So talking about performance and talking about the future of the individuals and the team and its value to the organization is a good thing to talk about rather than why you're leaving. And that's not the only thing you're going to give them relative to their performance. Right. Oh, we're going to give them reviews. Yeah, interim reviews. Um, most companies do a really poor job of of scheduling reviews for instance if mike's my boss guys and i've worked for him for for let's say two years and um he's given me two reviews and six months ago he gave he gave me my second review so i'd worked for him for two years and he quits and he doesn't do any of this work now i have six months worth of work that nobody knows anything about and what's more the new guy the interim guy is like 60 days so now I'm eight months into the year and nobody has anything about it. It takes them 45 days for them to have another guy come in. And so now it's what, nine and a half months and there's two and a half months left and the new guy comes in and he's from a different industry. He doesn't really know our stuff. And maybe I'm not naturally a people person or maybe I'm just prickly. And at the end of the year, the company says, HR says, the new guy has to evaluate me. That's just not fair. That's just not right. It's just not right. And uh, one of the things we, we teach is if you're gonna, if you're gonna do a, a review pro program effectively, anybody's worked for a boss for 90 days, if the boss leaves, the boss owes a full official review of them. Uh, or you get a review at a minimum of once a year. Um, if your boss leaves or if you leave, the departure of either one of you causes the creation of a performance review. Um, that's how really, really highly effective organizations who really carefully manage talent um, do it. And um, most companies don't want to be burdened with that, meaning that this is really just an administrative exercise. Nobody really pays attention to reviews other than for steel cage deathmatch preparation, which is too bad. Right. So, so you're going to write reviews and you're going to be direct with your folks and tell them that you've written them and you've provided them. What about performance against annual goals? Let's say it's an annual goal. By December, I have to have achieved some level of performance, but I'm le resigning in June. Do I just completely leave that off or what do I do there? Oh, yeah. So, so in other words, you, you're leaving in June and you've got to write a review of me for your boss. For some goal that's not due till Yeah, June. that's not. And I've got a goal that's due in December. Well, you just prorate it. That's all. You tell me, hey, look, I, I evaluated you. So if I'm halfway there and it's June you would give me a review as if I had finished. Um, 
If it's six months, heck, if you're doing reviews, the manager tools why you're doing a six month review anyway. Yeah, true. So you'll just go ahead and accelerate. If it's a five months, you accelerate the six month review and you give me credit for whatever I've done. And then you extrapolate that over the course of the year and to figure and figure out, okay, what does that mean? Yeah, the problem is if you know if somebody's worked for you for five months, the chances that somebody has achieved, unless it's their core job, and usually we're talking sales here, if some, uh, um, the vast majority of people who have annual projects have done nothing in June. And yeah. Those are always those are always hard. But anyway, we're going to write a, an interim performance review. We're going to write it on the performance review form that the company uses. That's the way to send a message that this is serious. And then to again to forestall any concerns, we're going to give them a copy. This is what I gave the boss. And if you're not a manager tools manager and you do all this stuff, they're going to be shocked. And that, and if you don't have a relationship with them and you write a review that they don't feel you know them for, they're going to scream bloody murder. So we're not suggesting that you can snap your fingers suddenly and start doing all this stuff and suddenly become a great boss. Um, so some of you who are listening who haven't done one-on-ones, who haven't developed relationships with some of your folks, you might not should do this. There's probably some of it, but not all of it. And definitely not a review. Okay, so what's what's the next thing we're going to talk to them about? Calendar deliverables. Basically, you got to brief them on your calendar for the next 90 days. Describe for them. And look, you might get overruled by your boss. And it's not necessarily a negative if that happens. But describe for them what you were planning and who will take over the responsibilities. There may be meetings that you'll need to go to that need to be covered. Delegations that, frankly, just have to happen. Heck, who prepares your monthly report for your boss? The one that she always wants to see. And she's not going to do it herself. Somebody's got to do that. If it's January 20th and you have the report January 30th, you better assign the writing of that report to one of your team. Otherwise, everybody in the team is going to be miserable when the boss comes down, your boss comes down after you've gone and looks at everybody and goes, where's that report? Can anybody around here figure out somebody's got to take it over? Who's going to do it? And then the worst thing is the person closest to him agrees to do it just to get him out of the cubicle area. And that's the wrong person to be doing it. Now, it could be that you're there for the next month, in which case you can oversee them doing it. And this is what amounts to a really, really forced delegation to a bunch of folks. And I promise you the way to do it, if you're there for a month in order to allow the transition, you don't do it. You don't do the report in January, even if it's an awful mess you have somebody else do it so they can start learning. As people don't learn by watching you, they learn by doing themselves. And then the last thing last thing is interim successor announcement. And look, unless you're given specific guidance prohibiting this, announce whom you've named as interim manager. I got, a, I got an email, I'm sorry, I got a forum. Somebody said, I've posted on the forums, you haven't, written, you haven't said anything, I'd be interested in your take. Somebody had been a manager for three and a half years. Been doing one-on-ones, periodically, he said. And um, he was really worried because none of his people were ready to be a successor. And so I asked him, and he, and he was going to leave. And I said, well, who's your best? Well, it's really hard to tell, and I really don't feel anybody's. I said, well, how long have you been thinking about leaving? He says, well, for the last year or so. I said, well, how come you haven't done something? He says, well, nobody really seemed to step up. I said, well, the job doesn't say get a successor in if, if somebody steps up. It's your job to have a successor, whether somebody steps up or not. He says, well, I was afraid they were going to do a poor job. Oh, because nobody in your job would do a better job than poor. 
right? No, guys, you, you have to figure out who it's going to be. And this is the place, if your boss asks you what you're going to cover, where you're most likely to be overruled. But again, you might be surprised how often bosses to whom we know people have resigned are so surprised and then pleased by the planning that you've done that they allow things like you naming an interim successor to go forward. And they recognize that the work we've done to get ready for the transition has made their job enormously easier. And all that proves is it's nice to be a professional. It's nice to impress people with your preparation and help the organization be productive rather than messy and unfocused. Um, so name a successor. Folks, if you're not ready to name a successor, you need to pull your head out of your fourth point of contact, which is Army Airborne speak for. Um, something else. Something between your belly and your thighs on your backside. I, I'm amazed by it. But if you're not ready to announce an interim successor, then I'm not telling you you can't resign, but I am telling you, you ought to start thinking about that. Okay. So now let's go to the thing folks are most often worried about, which is I go to my boss, I schedule the meeting for 15 minutes after I'm supposed to be out with my boss. And I go to my boss, tell him I have this meeting scheduled and he cancels it. Yeah. But before I get that, I want to cover something else. We're recording this in July, I think of 2013. And I had somebody question me the other day, say, why did that cast come out? Something about job searching or something that came out earlier this year. Maybe it was a curriculum's cast. I can't remember. And I said, well, because the market's going to heat. I said, first of all, we don't really schedule casts in that way. The only big decision manager tools has ever made relative to the economy is, um, is deciding that we were going to separate career tools out into its own cast because of the 2008 financial crisis. But we generally don't make decisions that way, particularly on the, the career management side of things, which, which because it's a resignation, this is related to career management. But um, I am amazed at the number of people. If you don't know this, folks, let me tell you now, your people and you are going to start getting more offers in the next couple of years as the marketplace warms up. Now, it's probably not warming up as fast as some people might have thought, a typical coming out of recession, but it was a global meltdown in 2008, and there have been stumbles along the way in getting the economy back on track for all kinds of reasons. If you don't realize in the next couple of years, you're going to be facing more resignations and more of you are going to get more opportunities, then you're not paying attention, okay? But l l let me go a step further. If you have been basking in high retention rates for the last two or three years, my friend, you are smoking crack. We, we say often the two things managers are supposed to be good at, if you want to be a good manager, you got to be good at results and retention. And I had a guy come up to me. I was in Portland the other day and he says, Mark, I am so good at retention. I've been a manager for three years and I haven't lost a single person. <laughs> I said, and I said, well, that's good. It was a young guy, he's 27 or 28. And I said, that's good, but you know it doesn't count. And he says, what do you mean it doesn't count? I said, well, because it's now. He says, I don't get it. I said, because there are no jobs that people are going to go to. I said, and plus it's Portland that, you know, they're just, the market isn't that great. I said, it's not that you've kept them. It's that they got nowhere to go. And the look, I, I was too hard on him. He, the look on his face, he was so crestfallen. It was, it was terrible. And I, I felt bad. I said, no, I'm not, I'm not casting aspersions at you specifically. I'm not trying to run you down. I'm trying to tell you that 
simply because you've had retention. Everybody's retention lately has been really good. It's, it's retention relative to other people that really distinguishes really, really great managers. He's like, oh, okay. I thought I was doing good. <laughs> and I said, don't they give you, doesn't your firm give you a list of retention scores compared to everybody else? He says, no, I've never seen it. I said, well, if you haven't seen it, then there probably isn't one. Folks, this is going to start happening. If you're a director, some of your managers are going to get better offers. If you're a manager, you're of anybody or a director, you're going to get other offers. Headhunters are going to start calling. Be ready. Do it right. What happens if your boss cancels this meeting you've scheduled? You've done all the work, you're prepared, yeah. um, you're professional, and your boss says, no, I don't want you to have that meeting. Yeah. Um, well, okay, a couple of things. First of all, if you believe your boss is that kind of person, don't tell him, okay? Don't tell him. You say, hey, look, I'm resigning. You know, I got a bunch of stuff I got to do, so on. And he may tell you something like, oh, I need your, I need your this, I need that. And remember, in the resignation thing, you're going to say, I'm happy to stay for a number of weeks. If he says, great, great, I'll talk to HR and see how long we can stay and so on, you know, I'll get back to you in the next few hours. And then he, you walk out of his office or her office and they put their head in their hands and go, I wasn't expecting this today, I gotta call HR. Ah. Anyway, if he doesn't specifically prohibit it, in part because you didn't brief him on it, then have the meeting. That said, if you feel you can tell her that you are gonna have this meeting, and if you're smart, you'll tell them you're gonna have the meeting and tell them what the meeting's about, which is about the transition, and you show them the amount of preparation you've done for them, 80% of the time, they say yes, go ahead, have it. It's only one out of five times that it's that little a chance that your boss will stupidly, selfishly, um, penny-wise and pound-foolishly cancel the meeting. But it can't happen. I mean, it she may, she may yeah. decide to, to cancel the meeting. Yeah. So just to be clear, we just want to make sure that you understand that it could, could get canceled. And, and that doesn't, that's not an excuse not to prepare. If there's an 80% chance of a meeting happening, holy Toledo, you got to get prepared for it. And that's why our next point is you draft a resignation announcement email that's going to go out to all your team. And in this case, what you do is you have the mail already drafted, open, ready to hit send on your smartphone in case your boss cancels the meeting. And look, once you've resigned, five minutes later, you're in the discussion and your boss says, I don't want you to do anything. I need to get security down here and so on. You pull out your smartphone, you turn it on <laughs> and you push send. And you write the email as if you knew that was going to happen. Dear team, it's with regret that I inform you that I've just resigned to Bob, assuming Bob's my boss. Uh, it's been a pleasure and a privilege to be your manager. Um, I've done uh, a, a good bit of transition work, which I'll be happy to share with you. Um, I look forward to communicating with you more um, soon. And then that leaves you essentially available to go left or right, depending upon whether Bob puts the clamps on you or says, okay, you know, I, I, I don't really want to see your face around here, so stay out of my office, but you might as well stay for the next month. You said you'd give me a month. You said you'd give me four weeks. I want the full four weeks. Can't believe somebody would wait that long. You can't be that good that they're willing to wait that long to have you come on board. And, you know, if somebody said something like that, I might be snarky enough to say, actually, they did want me now, and I told them that professionally, it would be more respectful for my history with the company and to you, Bob, that I give you a full month. And if you don't want a month, that's okay. I'll respect that. And I'm willing to take a full month if it'll help in the transition. 
And that's email. To be to be clear, it comes from your work email address, not your personal email address. This is work. Yeah, it's yeah. It's look. It's unlikely that your boss can cut off your email access during your meeting with him. That'd be, that'd be pretty quick. And look, guys, you copy you you put one of the people that gets copied on the email is your personal email address, so that everyone has that going forward. And you include a personal cell number on there as well, because at the end of the day, you may have to forfeit your cell phone and your company email account. Remember that your primary cell number is probably the company's phone. And if you've never seen the movie Margin Call, which I highly recommend, I just realized this, I've just mentioned two Wall Street movies in the same podcast, which is a little bit weird. So maybe I should mention other good movies like Moneyball and The Field of Dreams and The Notebook. Um, but anyway, um, you need only have seen the movie Margin Call one time, even really just the first 20 minutes, to appreciate what it's like to leave a firm. And as you walk out of the building, try to use your phone to call your spouse to come pick you up in the middle of the day, only to have the phone be out of service by then. And that stuff happens. So clearly you, you draft that announcement and you send it from there. And look, either you carry your files in your briefcase to your meeting with your boss, the, the set of files that you're gonna give to your team, you give half the files to your boss and say, there it all is. Or you leave the set that's gonna go to your team somewhere unobtrusive in your office that you can get to quickly before you walk into your meeting with your team. And if all of this is thwarted, right? If your boss goes nutso, uh, and I, I'm not sure it ever has been, then to my to my knowledge, in terms of the boss saying you can't give that stuff out, we recommend having somebody in your team ready to action whatever you tell them when you call and give them guidance. There's the your boss can't keep you from using your personal cell phone to call your ostensible number two and say, look, take some notes. Here's what I need to tell you in my office in the folder and you know in a drawer in the back there's a thing called transition with a yellow sticky with your name on it go there i trust you not to read everybody's files and hand out the files and explain to them what they are i don't think there's anything wrong with that and i don't think that i don't feel unethical about it relative to the fact that i was prepared to do the right thing that any ceo would want me to do i'm not behaving unethically by leaving the firm, despite how somebody might get in high dudgeon about me doing so, I don't feel badly about asking someone to continue the work that is professionally prepared as a way to smooth the transition when my boss is behaving like a nincompoop. I just don't. <laughs> right. And again, we send the email. If it's canceled, it depends on your boss. It depends on the situation. Hopefully we've given you a couple of different situations here. You can kind of read the tea leaves there, but Guys, I recommend sending that email, even if you were told not to communicate with your team. There's a case to be made that anybody listening to this cast has earned the right, assuming you're an ethical manager, tools manager, you've invested in relationships, you care about performance, you've treated your people with dignity and respect, that you believe that every individual is worthy of respect. I think you've earned the right to communicate information about the continuation of work to your team in the interest of helping the company be effective in the transition. Simple. And that's it, right? That's it. That's it. You know, I love, I, I love talking about transitions in part because, uh, you know, the old, the Chinese phrase, but beginnings are delicate times. And, and um, I think far too many people don't prepare for transitions 
And it only takes a half an hour or an hour to say, okay, here are the five things I need to get done. And even if you only do them 80%, the standard is just doing them at all makes you pretty special. And I think they don't do any preparation at all. And then the disruption of the transition period is much worse. It's much worse. You're literally uncertain of what the uncertainty is. Whereas if you plan for it, there will be uncertainties, but you'll know what the uncertainty is. And there will be some certainties as well. Less uncertainties and more certainties during a transition period makes you handle the uncertainties that do come up much more smoothly. If you have a test and you're given there are seven unknowns, that feels a lot differently than there are seven variables, three of which are unknowns. And the way you make less unknowns is you plan in advance. Not because planning eliminates all the problems. I mean, as Eisenhower told us, planning is everything, but plans are nothing. Everybody's got to plan until they got hit. So things are going to get messy, but they'll be less messy and you'll be more at peace because you'll have seen your way through the entire process. So I really enjoy helping people through transitions. And, and what they do is, particularly if they've, they've been around the block and they've gone through a couple of difficult ones, and then they go through a smooth one and they write us notes and say, oh my gosh, it just, it's come, my, my spouse didn't hate me when I came home every night because I was under control when I got home. And I wasn't getting home at 10 o'clock at night either. Okay, so look, let's just do a quick wrap up, Mike. Um, we pre-scheduled the meeting, 30 minutes long, if you schedule it for 15 minutes after your scheduler resign, yes, you can do that. Um, you first announce you're resigning, then you cover the transition subjects, to the stuff in your transition file, which is key projects, performance files that you prepared for the boss, you're gonna share those with the directs. You're gonna provide them interim reviews for everybody on the team. You're gonna go over your calendar. And this is the one thing that's most likely to get kiboshed, but in any event, you prepare for announcing your interim successor. and. You don't even have to call it a successor if you don't want. That may bother your boss. I'll just say, you know, for the next couple of days, I'll ask Bob to feel, you know, one of my directs, Bob is my number two. I'll ask him to field questions and so on. The meeting might get canceled. And so you need to draft a resignation announcement by email that you send if the meeting gets canceled. And look, a little bit of advanced planning for this meeting, along with our guidance we already shared years ago on how to resign and you're gonna smooth that transition. And whether your boss responds well or poorly, first of all, there's nothing you do about that. Whether you shoot out the door or you're allowed to help the company transition well, the being prepared part is entirely up to you. It's the right thing to do and your team will love you for it. Yes, they will. All right, my friend, thank you. You bet, partner, anytime. All right, we'll see you. Thanks everyone, that's it. We'll see you next week. Have a great one. So long.